this is Captain Mighty, and it's uh, it's pretty good to have you here, and uh, you know, listening and and everything like that. Uh, I'm a pretty big fan of the show, and old man just does it for me. He's he's the greatest kind of guy. He's a real citizen of justice. So make sure you keep listening and uh, follow me, Captain Mighty, and my friends on Kickback Heroes. Thank you so much. And welcome to the Old Man Wade Show. I am your host, the God of Stubborn, the Lord of Laughter, Old Man Wade. And I got a special guest in here today. It's always great to have new creators or just creators in general to pop up on the show to discuss the thing that they're doing. The the actually the journey we just talked about this being an audio adventure, but the journey that they're taking to create something for the masses. But before we even get into that, tell everybody who you are. Uh, my name is Isaac Wells, and I play Captain Mighty in the show that we have created, Kickback Heroes. And uh, I'm an actor, voice actor, producer, uh, writer for the show, everything like that. A little bit of everything. Oh, I didn't know you were a voice actor, too. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a, I've developed an appreciation for just creators, little by little, like I'm a writer. But then I started getting, like, started reviewing... TV shows and movies, and I have a it is an all new respect for voice actors because it takes a certain person to be able to portray an emotion with just their voice without without actually seeing them. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I actually learned how to voice act uh, first, which uh, I don't think you're supposed to do. You're supposed to just like learn acting, and um, I gotta tell you, it was uh, it was pretty. It was pretty difficult, but um, there is this, you know, special uh, need for a, a very specific talent to try to get it out with voice because, like on film, you use your body and and, you, and your facial emotions, and it's visual as well. But you know, just to sound it, it's uh, it's definitely a, a, a little bit different of a beast to tackle. Yeah. like I just, me and my wife just finished watching Vox Machina a couple of months ago, and. Well, you know, last month and with Invincible, like, like these, bringing these things to life, like I said, with just a voice. And, and yes, it, there's also a lot of animation that goes into it, but it's not the same without someone making making the character pop. How'd you get into that? Uh, actually, yeah, that's a uh, funny story. I, um, I wanted to be uh, one of those, like, it was a group of friends and I, and we wanted to be you know, like these parody video game people on YouTube because we're gamers. I'm a, I'm a huge gamer. So um, we started taking our really crappy cameras out and uh, recording, like, you know, fake skits for um, for uh, parodying of video games, right? And it was an old... Uh, we never got big or anything, which was, you know, it was always kind of a bummer, but, you know, we, we, we had a fun time doing it. And um, uh, it was... It was an old group of mine called Console Alliance, and um, I started playing different characters. Uh, and it was all live action, mind you. I mean, we, we didn't know how to do special um, uh, effects. We didn't know how to do um, animation, nothing like that. So we just did it to the best of our abilities, really crappy live action skits. And I started doing um, <clears throat> um, uh, Snake. 
Solid Snake from Metal Gear Solid uh, the most. And um, and then somebody heard that voice, and they were like, hey, that sounds like a lot of what I inspired this little game off of on Newgrounds. And then he was like, do you want to uh, do voice my little animated game? And I was like, sure, kind of a one-off. And then, you know, somebody who he had worked with had known about me, and it just kind of trickled down until, um, you know, I got to do bigger games. Um, so, uh, you know, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, I was in uh, Marvel Avengers Academy. I was in Family Guy, The Quest for Stuff. Um, <clears throat> I was in, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> I was in um, uh, Death and Taxes on Nintendo Switch, and... Um, Obey Me on PlayStation 4. There's a, there's like a plethora. I've done like dozens and dozens of games. Um, I play bad guys, NPCs mostly, and stuff like that. Um, I'm still working on stuff coming up where I'm actually like, sort of like the main character. Nice. But it, it was just kind of neat how, you know, it kind of evolved. Um, so, you know, that, that's just how I got started. I wanted to be on YouTube and, and do stupid skits. <laughs> and then uh, never went anywhere. Um changed focus during the years and uh just kind of picked up voice acting sort of as a accidental side thing but this kind of it's kind of dope but you also bring something up that i i truly believe a lot of people don't really think about when they try to do things like for example my podcast doesn't get tons of views but it gets it gets enough and then it also but it also allows me to talk to interesting people or just when i'm having conversations with my friends so it's not necessarily a waste of time and it is a bummer when you don't get the views you think you're going to but it's fun and for you this led to something else. So I think it's also something people really should take note of. It's like how your YouTube thing that ended up with you being a voice on PlayStation 4 and on PCs and on the Nintendo Switch. That's that's something that shit, like the majority of the world will never be able to say. And I think that's super cool. Yeah, I was, I, I'm, I'm 100% happy. Like, I'm super excited to get to audition for some of these big things. You know, like even, even just the, the chance to audition for stuff is is a very um, awesome experience. Like when I I've auditioned for like big animes, you know, Dragon Ball and stuff like that. Um, I, I did some commercial work I think for Dragon Ball, but that's about about it. You know, like where they're you know, like a mobile game ad or something. You know, um, but it's really nice to be asked. I mean, voice acting is basically ninety nine percent rejection, one percent acceptance. But you know, like you you have no idea how many times that those people have. Uh, each voice that you hear on an anime or cartoon have auditioned and got nothing until they got that one um, part, you know, that really helped them. But it was really a thrill to do anything I've done. Which is, and again, like you said, it only takes like that one person to really set it off and send you down to get the momentum going on what you want to do. But let's talk about the Kickstarter. So, um... Shout out to Duke. Duke is one of the one of the best people in the world. Like he's been a friend and a brother to me like since like day one. He's always been someone to help me out. So when he goes, Oh hey, I have this I know somebody who's starting a comic book Kickstarter, he knows I'm a huge comic book fan. Like that's that's like something like it's a passion of mine. Like I love reading them, I love writing about them, I love doing reviews and opinion pieces. Like that that's my jam. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Yeah. So Talk about the Kickstarter because it's super awesome. Um, I got the uh, PDF about what it's about, and I and I would love to break down these characters and read what it's about. But talk about the Kickstarter. The Kickstarter or the Kickback Heroes? Oh well, well let's talk about the Kickback Heroes, then we can get to the Kickstarter. Sorry. Yeah. Um, well, Kickback Heroes is a show that was inspired by a lot 
of variables. There is a lot of things that we we wanted to portray in this show. And the the funny thing about it is, is like I was sort of just an occasional comic book reader. I didn't, I wasn't really big into the world of comic books at the time that I created or that I came up with it with um, with uh, Kathy and Scott. Um, we we actually came up with it, <clears throat> uh, Kathy and I, about yeah about twelve years ago maybe 13, somewhere in between 10 and 13, I, we don't actually remember. But it was just this idea where um, I actually had this idea where we were like, I was watching one of my favorite shows, which is Cheers. And, um, Love that and I was like, I know, it's so great. Like, I, I, I don't hear enough about it in today's age, but like, I, I really like the way these old uh, 80s, 90s sitcoms uh, really uh, kind of tackle problems within their own subject matter. And or within their own, you know, universe construction. Yeah. Um, uh, for instance, like one of my favorite ever TV shows uh, was Family Ties because they attacked a lot of stuff in the early 1980s that you you really did, didn't do on TV as much, you know. Um, so <clears throat> we were we were I was just like sitting there watching and I was like, "Hey man, wouldn't like Cheers be kind of neat if like instead of like all normal people it's all like superheroes just sitting around talking about their day and 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 dealing with like personal issues and stuff like that. And so that was the initial idea. Like, what happens if Cheers or like Seinfeld with superheroes? Like, almost a nothing's going on. It's everything in between the movies. Um, and uh, it started developing a little bit more heavy than that, you know, because of course your your original vision is going to be um, changed with the evolution of development. And we, we started, uh, you know, we were trying to find our own little thumbprint, our own little identity. And then we were just like, well, you know, why don't we um, design the show more along the lines with inclusion to a lot of things that we have. Um, so, for instance, the character I play, Captain Mighty, uh, he has uh, autism. He's neurodivergent. He is an actual neurodivergent uh, being. Uh, so he has uh, different um, social awkwardness, a uh, little bit less understanding of stuff. But the funny thing about it is he's the most famous and most strong character in our universe, um, which is kind of our little hint that, you know, just because you have something that may be looked at differently does not mean that you can't be uh, mighty and great. And, um, you know, we I, I kind of write some of my personal life into that because I am, in fact, a neurodivergent. Um, I, I do. I, I grew up with autism, and, and I didn't understand the world for a long time. And and my mom had to explain stuff to me it, it, to my like twenty five to thirty years old um, a lot of times. And you know, now now that I understood the world, I, I kind of found the humor in how I didn't um, understand it. So we write jokes like that to where I'm just kind of like you know taking little points off, but then. We have like representation of like LGBTQ with one of our characters, Matt, who calls himself Hot Flash, um, because he has the ability to run really fast and manipulate fire. He thought Hot Flash was a good name. Um, he doesn't really get it, but other people do. Um, and uh, I wanted to, there's a bunch of different characters um, that I'll, I'll go over with you uh, later. But Kickback Heroes is basically this show about this uh, this this character trying to find his own identity and his own life within this world of superheroes, <clears throat> especially like his hero, who is Captain Mighty. 
Uh, he just wants to be somebody who is a great person, like his his icon, and uh, be like the people he idolizes. Just good and, and right. So there's a there's a lot of stuff about this show. Uh, major inclusion is part of it too. One of the biggest things I, I always talk about on this show, and especially when I get into comic books, is representation. It's always something that you need to... Like, growing up, like I would have liked to have seen more black heroes, not just like Storm and Bishop. But now like we're seeing, we have... If you're mixed, you have Miles Morales. If you're black, like Luke Cage has become a prominent character. We have all these great women, and uh, we're seeing more LGBTQ characters being represented. So to have an uh, an autistic character in being written by somebody or voiced by somebody who does have autism, I think that's that's dope. Like that's something I think is needed. It's a niche of things that like someone who may actually have that and don't think and doesn't think that they can be what they want to be. Like you show that they like, yeah, I can do it. Why can't you do it as well? Yeah, that was the big. That was the big important thing to to Captain Mighty because he's such an important uh, character to me personally because he was it was weird it was kind of like you or it was kind of like I created my own internal hero like my own representation uh, within <laughs> within myself in the last 10 years like I was like you know Captain Mighty is this you know and, and we know the character so much now that they're their own personalities they live independently you know within our heads we all know who they are and stuff like that but it's weird because I, I I got to uh, test it out <clears throat> with some kids and they absolutely loved it um, and we're you know we're writing uh, comics and even uh, you know activity and coloring books for kids oh, to nice. that effect um, we want to uh, you know kind of teach people and stuff like that because when I was a kid you know <clears throat> autism was barely a thing that was known and they said because you know of the way I am, my disability, I would never be able to live a normal life. Um, you know, a lot of things would be off the table. And now, of course, we know that that's you know, like the, us adults, we know that's not necessarily the truth. But kids might still feel that way, and kids do still feel that way. And and we wanted you know, since uh, superheroes are so absorbable by everyone, and their messages can be so easily um, viewed and accepted we thought that was a really good way to, you know, kind of, you know, portray our messages or, or get them out. Yeah. Um, so I have the, I have uh, the a list of the characters and what they're about. So we talked about Captain Mighty. We uh, did a, we talked about Hot Flash for a minute. And then we have Lady Woman. I, I'm not going to lie. I heard the name and I, and I giggled. I was like, Lady Woman? I was like, I was, it, was, it was funny, but it was like, you know what? I'm not going to forget this name. There's no way you forget this name, so it's easily identified. Like, oh, Lady Woman. Yeah, because I mean, it's funny because the names kind of start out almost as like a parody of other IPs. I mean, obviously, you think Lady Woman, you think somebody else, like like Wonder Woman or something like that. But we we wanted. I, I have a thing with naming um, people with redundancies, um, so it's like basically saying the same name. Yeah. Um, actually, there's a good example of that um, in the Boys. If you've ever seen that, oh. it's a black. Black Noir. <laughs> basically saying black, black. Yeah. Um, because Noir means black in, in French. So um, I was like, that's hilarious, but it sounds good. Um, but I'm, I made up Lady, or uh, Kathy made up Lady Woman way before uh, we even even had ever heard about the boys, to be honest. But we are like, oh my God, other people do that. That's really cool. Um, <clears throat> so Lady Woman is um, this uh, 
almost kind of a mix between a Valkyrie and like a Roman. We wanted yeah. to like uh, put um, her in in kind of like a different light. She is a very um, strong uh, warrior, and her actual race is uh, you know she comes from a different land. Uh, I think it's uh, called Terra, and yep. she is um, she is her society is like to the extreme, almost kind of like Klingons from Star Trek. Um, she is incredibly strong. She can fly. She has these um, these codes and honors uh, about about her her own ways and stuff like that. But her ways in her land are a lot more violent than ours, um, and a lot more uh, you know extreme. And she has come over to the United States to live in a, a, our fictional city, River City. Um, to uh, be an ambassador for uh, the you know the the big organization that runs superheroes in our show, and we have to kind of tone down her extremeness. Now she is actually like there's a thing she is um, a lesbian, and she almost takes her passion for equality in women to an extreme level. So we wanted to show that there you know there's a right wing and there's a left wing way of thinking. And, and, and there's there's extremes on both sides. She's an extreme, like, to the left, almost. But in a lot of times, we have to dial her back. Like, we have to make sure, you know, hey, it's okay. You know, we have to work together on this. So she has to dial back some of her um, extreme, almost hatred towards, towards the opposite sex. Um, because, you know, women are the big thing in her land. And, and here, it's sort of opposite. Um, and and that was kind of a big thing I, I wrote into the shows. I uh, I am very big on on equality for women. That's kind of my little soapbox. Um, that's why actually when we created the show, I created women characters like nine to one uh, to men. Like I created more women characters. I have an easier time creating women characters than I do men characters. And it's it that's not my fault. That's most of the comic world book world's fault as it is because there's more men than there is women absolutely and i was like well how come why can't we show more women why can't and and so in our show you're more likely to become a superhero if you're a woman uh because of their genes um so we we wanted to show that i love it i absolutely love it and you're you're a thousand percent right that there aren't a lot of like there and then with that it's funny i actually having a conversation <clears throat> with, with um, a buddy of mine on uh, podcast we just did was discussing about like how certain people can't write certain characters because they and it's not even from a lack of trying sometimes it's a lack of understanding or sometimes it's a lack of not necessarily caring but just not I guess understanding may be the best word for it like when I when I um, have questions about something I don't know about I go to, I go to the source like when I'm having questions about um like, I was like, hey, I asked my wife, would a woman say this? Or does this sound sexist? Do I come off like an asshole here? And because it's like, I don't want I don't want that. And so, again, back to that conversation of representation, it, it's cool. Like, you're going to so like, you're going to have, you're hitting, you're, <laughs> you're hitting a point that I think needs to be said. And I actually love the soapbox when you're talking about women's rights because it, it's something that needs to be projected more. Like, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Because, like, I was raised by a predominantly strong mother, and I, I never really got along with the father figures of my life. I never, I never actually knew my, my biological father, 
but my my stepfather, you know, we 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 kind of got along okay, but we never saw eye to eye. There was never like this huge connection when I grew up. Um, so I kind of felt a little bit a little bit solo from from any of my father figures um, or any male adult role models that would have been a role models, I guess. Um, so you know, my mother was always there right beside my uh, right beside me, and you know, I grew up with a lot of health issues. Uh, so I didn't really get out of the hospital a lot until I was seven years old. You know, like I, I stayed in the hospital most of the time because I had major um, health issues, and she was right there the whole time. Um, you know, just sitting beside you know her son, just you know, and she would tell me things. She would and she introduced me to movies. You know, like these classic movies. She. You know, she was a strong person, and then when I got out and started learning about how people actually work and how they think, I was kind of stupefied by the way that they don't treat women equally. Like, I was like, why do they make girls seem weaker and, and, and stuff like that? And and I, was, I, I literally did not understand why, because I had had a strong woman there the whole time and never got to be, <clears throat> let's just say, baptized into the, the men are better kind of thing, you know, like, and uh, I, 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 I never understood it. And I still, to this day, I'm just like, that's, that's completely, um, you guys are completely wrong about that. You know, in my eyes, we're all the same species. That's all that really matters. Um, and, you know, scientifically, women can do pretty much anything a man can do in terms of like strength or athletics and stuff like that and they can do more they can house and raise a child internally and birth them you know like we don't yeah. have that ability so they have a better you know it's like a video game they have one more ability than we actually do yeah and then <clears throat> if, and, if, and if any and if any man is being honest with them like the idea of carrying a child for nine months like, you know what I mean, the strength, the emotional and physical strength it takes to do that. Like, yes, everyone talks about, like, you know, carrying it physically, but the emotional toll it takes of, like, making sure that everything you're doing is positive for this person that you're growing inside them. And then after the the birth, you have the ability to nurture this child without the need, without any external need. Like we can't, we can't do that, and that's yeah. That's, that's kind of wild if you think about it. I mean, like, okay, like it takes two of them to, it takes a man or a woman to have like a baby, you know, genetically and scientifically, and then, and then they not only they birth the child, but men don't even have a way, right, to feed the child from the body, and that's a thing that we're just like, like wow, you know, and you know, like we have all this political stuff going on and, and, you know, religious stuff going on in this country and, and, and all over the world, really, um, that are, you know, just to me, just uh, seem like a moot point, you know, like, you know, um, so, I mean, you know, it, it's just kind of one of those things. And although I do, I am mainly concerned about, you know, the equality and you uh, for women's rights and stuff like that. I also, in the show, I also have a lot of messages I wanted to get out um, in terms of like there was like a lot of stuff we wrote um, I wanted to um, take on uh, like I guess I wanted to take on racism but in a different way something that people could be like okay I understand this from any race um, so there are people in our world that utterly hate the existence of superheroes they just hate them 
Um, they hate the idea of them. They hate because they're either a little bit jealous or they're afraid or they don't understand, which is literally, I guess, what actually happens. Yeah. And um, so there's, you know, there's these um, scenes that we're writing where, you know, you will see people that just, just, just 100% hate superheroes. And, you know, from anybody, any perspective, any race, any anything like that, they can watch that and be like, okay, well, I'm watching this show as a person who's following a superhero. So, I, I, you know, in a little tiny, like, to me, microscopic way, they might be able to, <clears throat> you know, understand the other side that they've never been able to, like, maybe do. And it's not like we're the first ones ever doing something like that. It's just that we wanted to do it our way. And, um, you know, like our comic book artist, um, he's been my best friend for like, oh, I don't know, almost about like 15, 17 years. Um, and he is a, um, he is a black guy that I met when I was a kid. And the funny thing about it is we, we, like our whole, like we've been best friends for so long and we've like never really had conversations about me being white versus him being black, you know? Like, we got, like, we, we became best friends because we started talking about of our absolute love of team, uh, TMNT, oh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And, like, we were both super, like, into TMNT. And, you know, we would talk about it. We would watch the shows together. We'd be like, okay, what do you think about this reboot? And blah, blah, blah. And, and then we'd just go into the other nerd stuff. You know, like, that's basically how we started talking is because we were giant nerds. And, uh, you know, he taught me, like, about, like, you know, he talked to me about Dragon Ball Z and stuff like that because I'd never actually watched it or anything like that. Um, so he would, you know, give me some, you know, like, info, if you will. Like, hey, what is this show about? You know, like, like what's, what's going on? What are these characters? So he would do that. It was just, it's been like years of just conversations like that. You know, he's the he's the uh, person who does the art for us, uh, one of the main ones. And I just because I was like, man, you you're super talented at drawing. You know, so I was like, I really want to uh, get that um, down. But like, you know, I would ask him questions, like you said, like like you know, if you hey hey, does this sound uh, like I know what I'm talking about when I write something that has to do with like maybe even a racial issue. And uh, he would be like, yeah, you know, that's good, you know, because, you know, I, I was born with, uh, like, uh, like a lot of people say, I hate saying, you know, PC, you know, the war words, but I was born with, with, with white privilege. I never had to wake up and worry if my skin was going to get me in trouble or, yeah. or get me something like that's basically to me, that's white privilege. I never had to wake up and say, hey, is the color of my skin going to get me hurt based on people hating me? Um so, uh, you know, we talked to each other about stuff like that eventually, years on. It was never a huge thing, because that's not how the friendship works. Our friendship works because we're both incredibly big nerds. Uh, <laughs> but when it comes to issues like that, we do, again, like you said, reach out to an outside source or something like that to give a proper understanding or a proper message uh, to see that. I know that's a bit of a tangent, but... Um, oh, no, I'm, 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 I'm pretty, all for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty passionate about that stuff, and, and 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 not only that, you know, we went from like LGBT, autism, racial. Uh, we even like I even had this uh, one little episode. It's not a huge thing, but um, where uh, uh, one of the characters finds out that she can never have a child, and she's Ooh. a little girl that's been uh, forcibly transformed into a uh, android. 
So she, she has to come to terms with the fact that she can never do what she's biologically birthed to do. And it really hurts her. And I was like, I need, I need this show to be able to get some of these little messages across, like that one episode that dealt with that kind of thing. You know, like, just something like that. So, Well, I love that this is... Because we have comic books and comic book shows like The Boys who give a more... A darker, <clears throat> realistic look at humanity. Um, if, like, you know, people were superheroes. Because, unfortunately, um, to quote Magneto, humanity disgusts me. <laughs> and, but, like, there is there is a brighter side to that. There are going to be heroes who aren't going to be... Who aren't going to use their powers and their abilities to hurt. There are going to be those who use a lot of their abilities to heal and to bring more notoriety to certain things and I like the fact that you're like that this is like you said you're dealing with these issues in a newer way because like you know something yeah oh no go ahead go ahead no no I was I was agreeing because I I, I I like the way you phrased that um the newer way I, I never consider but um it, 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 I, I guess to add on it, it's a very personal way too it might some of these things might have been written by people who never have experienced those things or or had any personal issues and um, you know right when you said people you know some characters will do good that is Captain Mighty he's basically our, our moral compass to right and good and and honorable um, and we we wanted you know these other characters to have you know internal problems and stuff like that but you know, we also wanted to be approached by kids. We wanted to be able to have it being watched by a younger audience because the boys and I- I- Invincible cannot be watched no. by anybody that's not an adult. Um, and even then, some adults are just like, "What just happened?" You know, yeah. that, that last that last first episode of Invincible. Oh, the train. Even, yeah, even when I was watching it the first time, when um, Omni Man goes against the the group and just you know. Slaughters them. <laughs> yes, like slaughters all of them. Me and the, <clears throat> my friends were watching, <clears throat> and mind you, we're like you. We've been around for a while, but it, it looked like a Batman animated series. I was like, this is coolest for everybody. And then at the end, <laughs> that happens, and we were just like, what is going on? <laughs> like, and it's funny, because even for me, like I read the comic book before uh, the show came out. And so when I watched it, I went, oh, that was... That was not what I was expecting, and there's a there's a guy I work with who was watching it. And he said it gave him a headache. <laughs> oh man, like the boys and, um, and and Invincible will almost give you like this um this like anxiety or PSD or PSD uh, PS sorry uh, PTSD while you're watching it. Like you're yeah. just like kind of like almost on the edge of your because you're like I don't know what's gonna happen and I have anxiety now because I don't <laughs> yeah. know who's going to explode or something in front of me, and I don't know if I can keep handling this. Yeah, and it's like, and they shot, and again, I know the story of both the boys and Invincible, and I'm still like, that didn't happen in the comic books. What are you doing to me? Yeah, yeah, actually, I think uh, I read the comic books after the boys came out because I was like, oh, I've never heard of this, so I'll read the comic books. The comic books were actually, in a lot of ways, a lot worse than the show of the boys. And I was like, Jesus, like, that's, I did not know that this is almost rated X, you know what I'm saying, like in terms of like comic book rating. I don't know what the ratings are in comics, but like I was like, man, this this might as well be like almost to the erotic, you know, side in some aspects and stuff. But um, 
you know, it's funny that Amazon had to tone that down, yes. and that's still like the most extreme superhero show uh, next to Invincible that um, that I've ever seen. Like, like you said earlier, the train scene. Are you kidding? Like, I was like, how do you come away from all of that mentally stable? Right? <laughs> yeah. And that's and this is one of the things I love about the comic book world. Um, and I was actually talking to a couple of friends about the boys and I said I hope people don't get lost in the violence and I hope that Amazon does the right thing in terms of the boys that for all the violence and stuff like that it's really about love the love of like family the love of like friends and like finding like romantic love and just finding people in general and I don't know if the show has really gotten that yet you know what I mean it seems yeah like- I, I see what you I see what you're saying it's like it, you can still find comfort in, in, in loved ones through a lot of crap. Yes. I also Let me just say this, because I love the fact that you're doing this for an all-ages an all ages kind of thing. Like, the coloring book idea is fantastic. Like, even, not even just for kids, like, for me, I like to color. It's, for me, it's relaxing. But for kids, like, they can see these characters, they can color them however they want. There's under, they're learning about um just different people and what they go through in like real life situations and then when they actually see these characters on there they'll have a better grasp of that and they'll grow up remembering that like oh the um, I can't remember his name Captain Mighty um, was the strongest hero or strongest person or being in the universe but he dealt with his issues um, Lady Woman had her issues despite all that and Still, was still learning through all of that. So I think that's a really cool concept to make to make it not just for adults. Yeah, because we wanted to be approachable by adults, but we, you know, basically we had to use to get to give it to Marvel because they had a good template for anybody being able to to watch it without going too extreme. You know, um, <clears throat> there was a, I think um, during Marvel's like I guess Civil War to Infinity to Endgame and stuff like that. It was geared like more towards the adult thing because you know the kids can't grasp that you know like a lot of this a lot of this stuff but they still can you know can be approaching to it and be like okay I still get the gist of what's going on um, <clears throat> but it's, you know there's a lot of subtleties like you know for adults and you got to hand it to them because they 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 found out a formula and it worked for them um, but we were like you know let's let's try to go a little bit off that formula but. Also, you know, like, our, our inspiration was, like, well, what, why don't we go, like, with a formula that's kind of reminiscent to, like, a like a 90s cartoon, you know? Um, and there is a lot of inspiration from uh, different sources that go into this. Like, basically, we grew up with a bunch of these comic books and a bunch of these shows and cartoons and movies. So we were like, let's just, you know, make our own based on the fact that we are inspired by a lot of these and kind of make it our own. Um and even like uh, <clears throat> Captain Mighty, I do a um, a Patrick Warburton impression because that was a voice that I had grown up with for the last 20, 25 years. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, I'm a huge fan of, of Patrick Warburton, you know, because I mean, if those don't know, he played Kronk and Ember's New Groove. He played Brock Samson and Venture Brothers and Joe Swanson and Family Guy. Uh, you know, a plethora of other characters. You know, you, you've seen him somewhere <laughs> or heard his voice. Um and that's like maybe five percent of the voices he's done that I just named, you know. But those are the bigger ones. Yeah. Um, and so in Captain Mighty Talks, I really wanted a voice that it really grabbed people. Um, 
And so when I put on the suit and stuff, I wanted kids to be able to be like, hey, this is a superhero guy because, you know, he's a big, powerful guy. But I wanted adults to be like, okay, that's that's cool. That's a funny, like, fun voice to, to yeah. hear. You just want to kind of keep hearing it. So I, I thought that was really neat. So uh, one of the things, we have a couple of characters, but one of the things I love was Grasp. Because as I'm reading this, and I'm like, okay, well, at some point you got to tell what Grasp is. But then Grasp is the Global Registration of Superhuman Persons. Yeah, global uh, global registration agency of superhuman persons. And we didn't want to say people, or we just said we wanted to say persons. We didn't want to say like men or, or something like that. We wanted it to be for anything that had a power. Yeah, which is which makes sense. And I love it. And I was like, oh, this is kind of like Shield, but not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got uh, a little bit of comparisons, but because we, you know, they're basically like. Um, uh, uh, an all a UN government kind of thing that goes around the world, uh, documenting, registering villains and, and superheroes. You know, giving out people's uh, uh, superhero card. Like you have to get a license to be a superhero. So that means you have to shadow other superheroes before you become your own superhero and go out in your work. They also schedule like uh, shifts. So like um, for people understanding. Um, your shift to work, like Superman, would be like a day one because he's approachable by everybody. But a night one would obviously become Batman, so they would have to be scheduled at different times. So we kind of treated it a lot like the DMV. That's and actually like, really like, cool. I love that. Yeah. So we, we try we try to create it like, hey, what if the DMV was in charge of like police officers' uh, shifts and work schedules? Like, let's let's see how that would work, but with superheroes, you know, like so they. They have their own collecting data agency and all that stuff. So we just thought that was a neat idea. I, I, I don't think I've, I've seen like, you know, with the Superhero Registration <clears throat> Act, there's been this and that. But I don't think I've ever heard it explained in such a way that it actually makes sense. Like where it's like, oh, hey, well, so you're a superhero. Like you said, like it's like, oh, like like Captain Mike. Like, he's like, yeah, like he's approachable. He's like the, the, he's the, he's the epitome of good. Like, you know what I mean? And then you might have um, someone like I said, like a, like the Dark Knight. It's like, yeah, we're gonna keep you on overnights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's actually the joke. It actually comes up a couple of times in um, in the show uh, where um, it's kind of like you know they uh, some of the day people uh, versus the night shift people can kind of like poke fun of each other. Sometimes people get scheduled by accident in the wrong shift and it kind of messes them up. Um, you know, because we have like, uh, we have like, you know, just these dark, you know, smoked 80 packs of cigarettes a day kind of void, you know, the darkness is my friend, you know, <laughs> stuff like that, you know, um, and, you know, like, and some day shift guy could accidentally get scheduled with a night shift guy and you just like see him like horrified at this guy's like monologue in the rain and he's just like, you know, so, so we thought that was like. A really good way to bring in some funny humor towards the whole the soul superhero world thing. So we just thought that was a good idea. I just picture like this really dark character, like you said, in the rain. He's just sitting there after he's over. The other hero's like, uh... "Oh yeah, that's actually one of the jokes." It's that we like we went to the most low hanging fruit version of these jokes. We were like, um, so the, one of our <clears throat> one of our uh, guys helping us develop a little was just like playing off the voice and he's just like you know it's it only gets brighter when I close my eyes the world is so dark you know stuff like that and then the camera kind of pans to the right and you just see like the the other superhero like 
<laughs> you know, like, and then, you know, like, somebody will be like, I was on night shift yesterday, and all the day shift people are like, oh, I'm so sorry, dude, like, man, that must have sucked, um, so, you know, they, there's, there's a lot of ripe comedy for stuff that we personally haven't seen before that we just wrote. I'm sorry, I'm going to be laughing at that all day. <laughs> it only gets brighter <laughs> when I close my eyes. Maybe the funniest thing I've heard in the first Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, my friend Cindy wrote that line. Oh, I, was, I just, I died. We, we were at a meeting, and he was just like, he was like, oh, I'm just going to ad-lib some, like, kind of like Batman-esque kind of stuff, but, like, really depressing. And he's just like, it, it only becomes brighter when I close my eyes. You know, I was like, I was like, that's funny. That's, like, really funny. Um, because he's, you know, Batman, you know, in, in popular culture has become sort of almost a meme of himself. Oh, yeah. You know, he's, uh, he's, you know, because when I, when I was, you know, I, I grew up in the 90s, you know, when Batman was like the animated cartoon. So he was still very lively and he was very, you know, because, you know, that was Kevin Conroy. That's like my Batman. And like, yeah. When, when you know, he would be like, hi, I'm Bruce Wayne, I'm still pretty cool and everything. And we're going to have whole episodes based on the fact that I'm still cool and relaxed. But now, the movies have just made Batman just be like, you know, the whole... And I'm, I'm going to have to give it to Christian Bale for kind of messing up his popular uh, voice. Yeah. Like he, he made the voice, and then everybody adopted that as a norm for Batman. Um, but, like, he was like this, like... He was this normal guy. Kevin Conroy just used his own voice, like a noir style voice, and then all of a sudden, yes. Bruce, uh, uh, Christian Bale comes out and he's just like, <laughs> you know, like, and it's like I get. It. I mean, what happened to Michael Keaton? He didn't even change his voice at all. He just was Michael Keaton as Batman, and um, I was I was missing that because I was hoping in every iteration has like a different thing. That's why I kind of give it to. Um, to the new Batman, um, uh, what's his uh, what's his name? Oh, uh, Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. I I knew right when I heard of his casting, I was like, he's going to be a good Batman, because I actually liked the way I've seen different movies other than Twilight, and everybody was basing their whole entire judging of Batman off of Twilight, and I was like, you got to give him a chance, man, yeah. because I think he's going to do good. Um, I agree. I actually wrote an article about. I was like, y'all need to give him a chance, and then I saw because I saw. Um, Good Times, I think it was, and I was like, oh, he can do Dark and Brooding, and then I saw Tenet, and I was like, that's Bruce Wayne, he is Bruce Wayne in Tenet. <laughs> yeah, and I saw this one where he was like a um, a royal, it was like back in the uh, medieval ages, um, and he was like this, this like royal lord, and he had this scene where he was utterly like enraged by this uh, girl, it's like a romantic kind of like a medieval sort of uh, movie but it was like a dark uh, movie drama and then I saw one I think it was called Remember Me where it was like about a normal guy and I was like this guy has good acting chops like he, yeah. he's a really good actor um, but you know and most people don't remember they said the same thing about Heath Ledger they were like oh he's not going to do a good Joker and although in my opinion to me that wasn't really Joker that was more like Zaz in the way he worked yeah, um, I don't know about that. He he was more like a serial killer. He was more of like a thing. And Joker, I was like, okay, I love Heath Ledger's acting in that. It was phenomenal. It was like, dude, you are that character. Um, I loved the way he did it. But when they first came out, they were like, oh, Heath Ledger's gonna be playing the Joker. 
and then people are like, oh, that's going to be bad, that's going to suck, you know, and everything. I just say, you didn't even let him get a chance, man. The only one that I actually thought did a bad job at the Joker was Jared Leto. Yeah. I mean, it just seemed like it just seemed like Snoop Dogg was trying to direct a Jim Carrey discount, you know? <laughs> um, and, and it's just, it was like, okay, maybe you weren't really great for the Joker, man. Like, you've done good in other stuff, but, eh, you that, know. That wasn't it. <laughs> no, I didn't want my Joker coming out looking like Takashi 69 <laughs> as well. Like, I didn't want him to be like, he really did. Like, you know, like all tatted up. And it, it, there was no point to it to me. Um, but, that was just my own personal opinion because, like, I look at it too as an acting uh, in like an acting sort of way. But I think most of them, <clears throat> all of them, had their own little thumbprint on it, and it wouldn't be the same. A nerdy fan, so you know, nerds are going to be very outspoken about their oh yeah uh, about their beliefs and opinions on certain things. I find myself fighting the <clears throat> urge a lot of times. Because when I write an article, I have to make sure that I'm not trashing somebody. Because the last thing I want to do is completely shit on someone's art. And there have been times where I'm reviewing a show and I'm like, wow, she was absolutely awful in this. But I can't say that because it's like, I wouldn't want someone to trash it. So I kind of find a nicer way of saying this wasn't good. You know what I mean? But it's uh yeah, it's uh, ethical, like uh, as a writer uh, or as like somebody who has a base that that will, you know, read and consider what you're saying. You don't want to just make them out to be like crap. Yeah, like when I finally go see Morbius, I'm not gonna completely like shit on it. I'm probably I'm gonna see it. I'm gonna be and I'm gonna be honest about it. Um, let's let's take um, Christian Bale's voice. I will talk about how bad it is, but I will also say, hey, it worked for this particular genre, and it's as bad as it is. It's iconic. But then you have, like, let's take Ben Affleck, who's my favorite live-action Batman. Kevin Conroy's the greatest of all time. But Ben Affleck is my favorite live-action one, and it was doing something as simple as, they just computerized his voice. That's it. <laughs> you didn't need to do anything else. You didn't need, you know what I mean? It was just it was, it was bad. <laughs> but then you, I had, actually was very surprised at that. Like Ben Affleck is, I was like, wow, this is a really, really authentic um, interpretation of Batman. Not necessarily Bruce Wayne. He was a good Batman. Like I was like everything, your chin, the yes. facial structure, the way you, you know. I was like, this is this is like watching a live action version of the cartoon to me. Like that's what I thought in a lot of moments. All the way, I just went for that. All, yeah, exactly. All the way down to the end of it when he sees Martian Manhunter and he doesn't even flinch. He's just annoyed that like he was woken up out of bed by a green alien. This <laughs> is like, really? Yeah. <laughs> it's six in the morning. <laughs> I just saved the world. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. But also, um, sorry, we went off on a tangent because that's what we do. Yeah. Um, the characters. We have a couple other characters. So we have Captain Mighty, Hot Flash, uh, Lady Woman. We also have uh, Jawbreaker. Yes. Um, and C-Sapien C-Sapien uh, which I mean some of these characters you're like okay I know exactly what what characters you're parodying off of um, but you know we also try to give them different you know backstories and, and make them unique enough to be like okay I'll follow this one too um, I love C-Sapien it's like he has no idea what he is he's like confused about it 
but Grasp loves him because he's got money. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. He's lived for so long that, you know, he's made really good investments, um, and he, he, he put his money wisely uh, into little money he had to be, you know, basically, essentially, what would be Bruce Wayne, you know, like a <clears throat> million billionaire, you know, something like that. Um, but Grass likes him because, you know, he, he there's not really much like to him in terms of Grass knowing a lot about whether he's a threat, whether he's a hero for all intents and purposes. He has chosen the hero's way. He has uh, wanted to make the, the world a better place um, because he didn't know his place, you know, so he. You know, it's, it's a very, uh, there's actually, um, <clears throat> that character is, we sometimes deal with um, some really dark stuff uh, that even kids are going to uh, have problems with. Uh, it, for instance, C. Sapien, we have his messages dealing with uh, depression and even suicide um, in one and a couple of different times because he is very sad about he has no one and he has these unanswered questions and and you know like uh he doesn't know who he is and you know that that transcends to a lot of different characters too um but he is a very all in all he's very honorable a very father figure kind of character and and we really want to try to do that because uh, a lot of people don't seem to uh realize that that you know suicide is a very big problem with with kids um and you know, there is personal stories that we have went through and events that all of the, some of the people who are working on this have personally went through um, that were very dramatic, very heavy, uh, very uh, it, very awful in, in a lot of ways, uh, just to be frank, um, that we are like, you know, if we can do anything, if we can take these things we've been through, even though they're painful and bad and we can use them as a message that that somebody out there will be like, hey, I get that. Maybe I'm not the only one. Then may, then that will be have been worth it to us. That's, um, and <clears throat> pardon, the, pardon the, the, the term, the pun, I don't mean it to be a pun, but that's actually deep. Like the idea that like like you said, like it's not just an adult or a teenage thing where people are dealing with depression. Like kids are still like, and this is I I was I'm an '80s I was born in the '80s, but I grew up in the '90s, and like the idea of depression, especially when you're a male, isn't something that you're supposed to accept. It's like you know, man up, be tougher. Like you know what I mean? Don't show emotions, and that can lead a lot of people down the road to depression. And then I may not know what it's like growing up now, but like the, I'm assuming like with the like the internet and like the all the stuff going on and like the need to be something could lead people down a lead kids down or teenagers down a road of depression. And I think if this is something that needs to be talked about. Well, yeah, I mean, I I think so too, and I think it's harder to be a kid than we ever were because like I was also born in the '80s and I grew up in the '90s and we didn't have other factors in our life crushing us um for instance like you take um instagram facebook tiktok all this stuff you know you have people watching it you never you know like it's it's good i think i think tiktok and 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 some of these social networks can do good and they can be good um and i think creative people making creative things is a, is a beautiful thing to happen as a creator myself and as an artistic person yes you should but sometimes you know these the other side of the screen you don't know who's watching it 
and you don't know whether or not that you know the guy who's who's you know I'm not saying it's anybody's like fault fault but you never know that that person on the other side of the screen may be so hurt and alone and feel so jealous or or unfulfilled on on the other side of the screen you know um, and and that they that they don't know what else to do and and a lot of the the stuff you see on the internet especially like through Instagram, Facebook and all that other stuff is is basically fabricated. You, you, they make it look a lot better than it really is. Um, and <clears throat> we never had that when we were kids. Yeah. I, I never really knew about the outside world past like a couple of blocks down my city. I, yeah. I didn't know what was going on unless my mom told me or I saw it on TV and we didn't watch much TV, you know? Um, so I think as a, a, a kid to uh, a, an early teen, preteen, whatever it is, excruciatingly difficult to be a kid nowadays especially with the stuff you can you can access and you know that other people are are going to be doing and and you know like for instance the adult uh, entertainment industry has never been more accessible to anybody in the yes. world than right now and we didn't have that i mean i remember the big thing about it us is we found a uh, an adult magazine in a trash can uh in the woods and we are freaking out about it because we had never seen anything like that. Yeah, the world you know, now, stops. <laughs> yeah, and now, you know, especially on the women's side, you get explicit pictures sent to you from people you know without even permission. Like, if you have, if you are a girl okay. and you have a phone, you have to expect that. And that's, that's sort of like a problem, and we all know that, but, you know. It's, it's abs- the, the amount of women that I know who say they get unsolicited dick pics just, like, out of nowhere, and I'm just like, how is this not illegal? And then some like, oh, like, oh, it's absolutely legal. Like in some states, it's illegal to send an unsolicited uh, dick pic. In some states, it's not, which is ridiculous. That like you even on either side of the board, like, like I'm a married man. Don't send me. Don't don't. If you're a friend of mine or someone I know, don't send me this shit. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like I know yeah, you, so like, I don't even see this. Yeah, you know that's that's you know like what a lot of our are um, <clears throat> I think the cartoons and stuff inadvertently turned a lot of the people, especially millennials, into. They, they said, you know, all these cartoons, you know, you may realize that maybe it's like, oh, maybe it's like the 1% or something saying that, you know, you should never, you know, be mean and blah, 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 so they can get an advantage. But I think the, uh, the, the mistake they did is we ended up becoming very morally high, and we, you know, we, we, we are, you know, we, we are very respectful, but to the point to where... If you do something wrong, a lot of us will go to the ends of the earth to make sure that you see justice for what you did, yes. um, and and that's just the way we were taught, you know, by our parents, by uh, cartoons, uh, uh, comic books, any any messages. The messages are like, you know, you have to enforce good to make sure the people who did the bad thing find justice in what they did. And there's no there's no second part of that because me and um. A friend of mine, we have this conversation about the prison system. And it's the idea is once you, you send someone to prison for something bad they did, but now what? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're not helping them become better people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're not getting them used. You're not, you're not like, trying to rehabilitate them. You're not trying to make them see the error of their ways. It's just like, like you know, rolled up newspaper, bad dog, and that's it. Yeah, it's like, well, oh yeah, you did a bad thing. Okay, so how do I become a better person? That doesn't matter. You're just, you're bad. Yeah. <laughs> you're just bad. You know, and 
there's a lot of problems with a lot of these different things. And hopefully with the Kickback Hero Show, we are trying to tackle some of these issues so younger people can understand and maybe even adults can can get a different understanding. Like even though we, we primarily want to do this for kids, a lot of times adults are uh, seem set in their ways. And um, we try, hopefully, with some of the people who are our age or beyond, can maybe be like, oh, okay, maybe I can consider a different perspective. That makes sense. Um, the last character we haven't actually talked about was Jawbreaker. You mentioned him, but I, you haven't actually spoken about who Jawbreaker is. Jawbreaker, that's a <clears throat> that's actually one of our favorites. Uh, she is a, um, a uh, young girl who is, uh, has, she has short-term memory loss. Uh, she has, <clears throat> she doesn't really understand uh Mostly how people work. She is kind of a chaotic neutral. Uh, she she is for herself mostly, but she does have an honorable side. Uh, it's like, okay, you know um, Louise from Bob's Burgers? Yes. Yeah, you know, so Louise is basically out for herself. But when it comes to her family or her friends, she will, you know, hatefully inside do the right thing because <laughs> yes. she's just morally has to go that way. And that's how Jawbreaker really is. She she is very much out for herself, but when it comes to uh, family and her friends, you know that's you know that's that's really important to her. But you know she does get into a lot of trouble. Um, <laughs> she has superhuman strength, and her name actually is basically a a message to basically her whole character. She is in love with candy. Her whole entire persona is candy, sugar. Um, she has kind of like a 15-year-old 90s Beavis and Butthead mentality towards <laughs> stuff. Like, if there's a connotation about something, you know, um, she will make it. You know, somebody's like, oh, man, last night's mission was really hard. She'll be like, hard. <laughs> you know, like, and I was like, I wanted to see that in a girl. I didn't want to see that in a guy. We have all those guy characters, but I want to see a girl do that. Um, because I think it would be funny to show both, you know, both that same personality trait in different genders and um uh she is uh, i think she's going to be a fan favorite because we have we already had tests of her her costume is is amazing we've seen the live action costume um we have a, a a great girl right now casted as her uh her name's alex kermis and she's been on a couple of things uh you know gilmore girls uh, uh vikings stuff like that you know different things but she's like this really bouncy personality she she loves giving kids to uh, I mean, kids to candy, candies to kids, um, and you know she has a very difficult time with her past because she doesn't know her past, and she is very concerned about it. And she wants to learn more. We actually find out a lot of story details based on her past um, in the show. We we grow her character as well. Um, she has um, weapons like she has Jawbreaker bombs. She has uh, lollipop snaps oh. and stuff like that. Um, she also has uh, uh, a love for um, uh, Lady Woman and Captain Mighty, despite her trying to almost be cool within herself and not show it. But she loves them to death because that's like the only family that she has. And she has issues dealing with people. She has almost like a social anxiety problem. Like if there's too many people, she'll get too nervous to be around them. Um, which is how she kind of sees eyes to eye with with Hot Flash because he is very nervous around the person. Um, then there's a lot of people in those like Hot Flash is the same thing. And a lot of people I've met in my life, unless you can please everybody, why even try? And he has to prob he has to 
he has to deal with that. And Jawbreaker is kind of like his little inspiration, besides the other characters, to basically just not give a crap what anybody says. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> before we actually get into the Kickstarter and my end of the show game, I'm going through the... I want to make sure that I actually mention this, because you actually have a list of the heroes on the Instagram page. We have you, Isaac Wells, as Captain Mighty, Alex Kermis, Kermis? Kermes, yeah. Kermes as Jawbreaker. And I, you're right, I do love the costume. It's, it is very 90s with the pink and the purple. and the, <laughs> I, I actually do love that. I love. We also did uh, a very obviously inspire a lot from like Harley Quinn and stuff like that because uh, Kathy, who's, uh, who's the creator of the show, that yeah. was one of her favorite comic books, <clears throat> the independent Harley Quinn comic books without yes. Joker. Um, and she was like, I want to do my own sort of inspired version but, like, make it different enough. So I'm glad you got that. Like, it's a 90s cartoon-style yes. kind of thing. I love it. Um, and also, people listed in Joker and Harley Quinn are not, are not relationship goals. Uh, we have Shane Morris as Hot Flash, <laughs> Rick Stafford as C. Sapien, uh, Morgan Gallo? Morgan Gallo. Morgan Gallo as Lady Woman, Catherine Hunt as Commissioner Thumbs. Yes, Commissioner Thumbs is actually kind of a, a, a little hint that we did. We uh, are working with... Um, uh, Athena Finger, who is the uh, granddaughter of the creator of Batman, Bill Finger. Um, she, she, her grandfather is Bill Finger, who created Batman. And uh, so we, we, we've, uh, we've kind of shot the breeze back and forth with ideas. So she helped us a little bit. You know, she, you know, she was kind of like a sounding board for a lot of our ideas. And you know, she would, you know, do different things. And we always thought that she was kind of like a, a special person, and she was a really neat personality to hang out with. So we were like, you know, hey, you're basically almost kind of like comic book royalty. You're almost kind of like this this big uh, name in the comic book world because of your grandfather. So we were like, what if the commissioner, instead of Athena Finger, we named her Athena Thumbs because that's how stupid we thought that would sound, um, <laughs> is the most powerful um, character within the world of Grasp. Uh, so she is this uh, very stern, very down-to-earth, you know, cut the bull, I want, you know, details, I, you know, and that's kind of how Athena is, you know, like, I, I don't have time for bull, I want you to tell me straight facts, let's move on, let's get this done, Yeah, and that's that's what she is, and Catherine is, is one of the, 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 the most dedicated, serious actors I've ever had the pleasure of meeting and working with. That's dope. And I don't know who. So you have George Lowe as is it Dev or is it Dev? It's Dev. It's uh, it's actually Dev. It's like disembodied voice, but we just call him Dev. <laughs> and you, yeah, George Lowe is basically uh, known as uh, Space Ghost Coast to Coast. He oh, was, yeah, he was the voice of Space Ghost. Oh, uh, that's uh, well, I was I was sold already, but you got the dude. From, uh, that's, well, he that's was actually—he's cool. actually a friend of mine <clears throat> for a couple of years back because we did a lot of conventions together. Where we, you know, he would go to the convention, and I would be there at the same time, and we would be like booth neighbors, you know. So I'd be signing yeah. my stuff, and he'd be signing his stuff, and we just started talking. And and it was uh, the the weekend uh, a couple of years ago at Ancient City Con in St. Augustine, Florida, where we we really got to uh, uh, talk for an extended period of time. Uh, and 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 he knew, and I got to meet Billy West and hang out with him for a weekend, you know, which is it's a huge thing. He's like an icon for voice acting, Billy West. Um, you know, he's he's Futurama. He's Zach Brannigan. He's 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 Fry. He's he's Zoeberg. He's so many characters in that show. It's unbelievable. He was Doug 
he was uh, uh, Stimpy, he ran Stimpy. He was he's oh, been okay. a voice in our childhood for the longest time. So we got to you know have dinners together. I got to spend a weekend with Billy, but like you know they you know George really was like open and they like, very having fun and stuff like that. Uh, I think there was actually a a panel with uh, with me on it. George Lowe, Billy West, uh, Jason Marsden, who played uh, Max on the Goofy movie, and. Um, uh, we were just talking about different stuff, but George, I, I was, I'm on the panel as a voice actor, but I hardly talk because I just want to hear them talk and hear their stories. Because even though I'm a voice actor and actor, I'm still like 100% a fan. Like I will be starstruck even if it's even if the guy has heard of me, I'll still be starstruck because I'm like, you were like a thing in my childhood, and it's <laughs> awesome, and I love you, you know, like yeah. Um, so, but yeah, uh, we we ended up talking, and 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 then we uh, we ended up telling his agent about the show, and, and and his agent Chris was like, "Hey, man, you gotta do this show. It's a, it's gonna be big. It's gonna be this cool, you know, inclusion, very positive message show." And so George was like, "All right, I agree to to be in it." And um, <clears throat> we really kind of tried to get his personality, uh, George's, and he's a he is a character. He is one of the the coolest characters you'll ever meet as a person, and. Uh, Scott, who was writing the show, was just like, why don't we just have him as, like, the comic book voice bubble of our show? Like, he I is that that bubble of the show. And if you know Space Ghost, that will be important because that's his voice. He'll be like, you know, hello, superheroes, you know, or something like that. But then he's also, like, almost this annoying voice. And Like, sometimes when, when you don't want, like, when you just want to be alone, he'll be like, hey, buddy, what's going on? <laughs> How's it going? He's like, could you just leave me alone, Dev? Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, like, you know, he'll he'll it's almost like this uh, comedic parody of George himself. I love I love it. Like, the the artwork looks fantastic. Uh, shout out to your best friend for doing all that because it, it looks amazing. Uh, before we get into the game, tell everyone where they can find you. Tell everyone where they can support you. Tell everyone where they can. <clears throat> tell me all the things about. Tell me all the things. Well, we are just now getting out socially, so like we, we're pretty bad at social networking, but thankfully we got a PR guy to start working on that, so we are going to be doing that. So uh, we are kickbackheroes.com. That's where a lot of our stuff is going to be uploaded as soon as we can get it out. Um, all social networks, we are on uh, the big ones, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We're actually going to be taking our characters uh, to TikTok and talking to nice. fans as the characters write to them, answering questions, doing, like, some fun trends, you know, uh, just trying to kind of, like, have a fourth wall kind of breaking thing. Um, so definitely we're going to be trying to push TikTok here pretty soon. We don't we don't really have anything on it uh, except for maybe, like, one or two things, but uh, we're going to be pushing that soon. Um, and anything else, we also have a calendar where you can meet Captain Mighty. Um, I think uh, this Saturday uh, Captain Mighty is going to be at a uh, jump park in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, like a little trampoline park, uh, and he's going to be showing up and hanging out with uh, kids, uh, neurodivergent kids as well, uh, talking with them, answering questions, giving out little little comic book prints, just like just for fun, uh, and just to meet kids because I've I, I've personally always wanted to go to uh, hospitals and schools and stuff like that personally and talk to kids one on one in person as much as I can because that was very important to me as a kid too, especially a kid with autism. Um, and in the hospital, I really want to do that to visit hospitals. So we're, soon we're going to have like where you can see Captain Mighty and meet him too. So I thought that would be kind of neat, and that'll be all over the place, uh, all of the country and stuff like that. I think, but um, 
Yeah, any social network and kickbackheroes.com. Awesome. Um, I'm on, I got you on Twitter, I got you on Instagram. I will make sure I follow you on Facebook and on TikTok. But that's super dope. I, I am all for this. This is, this, I, I'm, I'm all in. I'm going to promote this as much as possible. Whatever you, like, send me a message. It's like, hey, we're doing this. Hey, we're doing that. Like, if I have friends there, I'll go, hey, support this. You're going to absolutely love this. And people listening to the show, please hit that follow button, hit the, hit the subscribe button. You're not going to regret it. This was one of the best conversations that I've had in a very long time. It's, it's, well, super, it's, it's super dope. So now, one of my favorite parts of the show is I put a little game together towards the um, end, end of it just for just for shits and giggles. I think it's fun. So we have ten questions. I believe that you got sent the questions? Yes. All right. So here we go. What's the best non-Marvel or DC show on TV? Is okay, so I was confused. Is that on TV now or on TV at any time? Oh, at any time. Uh, for me personally, it was The Tick. Oh, the animated series or the live action one? I liked both for different reasons, but I really got into the live action one. <laughs> it was really cool to me. I'll have to get into that. I started it, but never really got into it. And the the cartoon was part of my childhood the fox 25 like you know the and the, the stuff like that so uh who's the better leader cyclops reed richards or batman i would have to say reed richards he's he, to me he's more calculated he's more uh <clears throat> he's more like a star trek captain oh like you know he's he's he kind of has that almost uh kind of a light Picardish feel, you know, he's sort of a father figure, but he also is very stern. I, 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 he's very approachable and can be commanding. I never thought about that. He really does have a very Star Trek feel to him. What is the best comic book cartoon of all time? Batman, the animated series. Uh, just for the record, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that is the only acceptable answer. <laughs> <laughs> so the DCEU be left alone or is it still salvageable? I think <clears throat> I think it's salvageable if they if they fix everything if they just I would say I I, I know people are gonna hate this but I feel like they need to reboot everything and and just start from scratch and honestly kind of find their own little Marvel approach you have to find a way to do it to introduce all these characters make them good successful and uh, I think it's salvageable if you um, especially most importantly. Forget the Joker. There are other villains in DC. Please. Yes, like, and that's the, and I think that's one of the greater things I loved about the Batman was they started it out with villains who you know, but you may not necessarily be favorites of. And I was kind of disappointed that they ended it with the Joker. I was like, eh. I personally liked the Riddler better than the Joker my whole life. I thought he was just this super interesting character. But you also have, like, uh, Hugo Strange. Yes. I love Hugo Strange. I think they did him amazingly in the Arkham City game. Oh, I want yes. that in a movie. I, I was like, can we get that in a movie? Like, I will play him for no money. Just let me <laughs> do him right. Like, I'm already bald and I can grow a beard. Can I can't, can we just do this? Like, just get another villain. Um, or even on, on film... I know it's weird, but Man Bat would be kind of neat to see, and it would be yes. a, almost a creature film at that point, or Killer Croc, or or a real good Scarecrow, like a nightmare Scarecrow. You, you know? bring up the Arkham game, you bring up Scarecrow, and I think that and I, I've been 
toying with the idea of like the most underrated villains. And what Scarecrow did in Arkham Knight yep. was one of the scariest things I've seen in a comic book, in a comic book adaptation, because it was something that would really cause, like, they made God, they, everyone in Gotham, gotta go. No, everyone, gone. They didn't do that with Joker, they didn't do that with Riddler, but with what Scarecrow did, it was like, everybody has to go now. <laughs> yeah, and I thought that it was, I thought Arkham Knight was underrated in in story, underappreciated, because the mechanics of the game kind of got a little bit, uh, it, it, it kind of got a little bit repetitive, um, and I think they focused on the Batmobile a little bit too much. I agree. Um, but uh, I think that um, if they would have just contained it like they did the Asylum story and made it a little bit more smaller but focused on the story, because I thought all those games were amazing, um, but I, I thought Asylum, Arkham Asylum, was like this deep, personal uh, thing for Batman, like an, an, a, an inner issue with him, with Joker. Um and I thought Arkham City was a very good expansion of that, but then Arkham Knight was like, I know there's Arkham or- Origins too, but like Arkham Knight was like, man, that Scarecrow is badass. Like, I love yes. that Scarecrow. You should have just focused more on him. He had that nightmarish voice. He was actually scary and like what he did. If you guys got to get a city, either you're all going to die or you're all going to become insane and kill each other. Like, this is a very visceral thing that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I agree with you on that. I was like, man, Nobody's ever been evacuated a whole entire city because of this one dude, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the next one? Oh, who's the best comic book villain of all time? Oh, that is hard. This is also a loaded question because I know a lot of people look at Magneto as a villain, but I don't. He's an antagonist, but I don't know if I'd actually call him a Villain. Yeah, I don't think he's a villain. I, I see that's the thing is like I have Jewish ancestry and like his backstory is very reminiscent, almost like a, you know, because I, <clears throat> you know, because the whole World War Two thing, uh, the Nazis and stuff like that. Um, when I read that, I I was like, yeah, I I can understand why you were so Angry. hateful yeah. towards towards your own species because they're so bad. Um, and because of what you personally went through, something I could never imagine in a million years. You can only imagine that if it happens to you. So I, I never actually <clears throat> put Mag- Magneto's on his own little spectrum of of what either a bad or antagonist or, or just somebody who was hurt really bad um, and had never let it go. Um, but in... Uh, you know, I, I thought about this... Um, because I, I thought the Joker in the animated series was good, uh, but I mean we're talking about comic books. I actually I, I don't know. There's too many. If so, I'll give you my. I think the best. I may have to go Mister Sinister just because he is just evil. Like he doesn't care about anything. Doctor Doom at least has some kind of morals, but like Nathaniel Essex is, is just. He's just an awful, awful just being. Who would you cast to play Ben Grimm in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Ben Grimm, Ben Grimm. Uh, I somebody told me that yesterday, and I, I, I think I. Who? What was the? Uh... Oh, the thing. Okay, yeah. Okay, sorry, sorry. The thing. Um, 
<laughs> I said it as a joke, but I thought it was funny. I would cast The Rock because he's already shown. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I wrote an article and I cast John Cena. <laughs> Yeah, actually, John Cena would be good, but I was like, you know, I think it would be kind of funny, like an oh, ironic that name, that, that, that The Rock would be the thing. <laughs> and imagine that, like, they pass Dwayne Johnson, and they go, what's your name? And then Johnny Storm goes, The Rock? <laughs> yeah, so I thought that would have been, a, there's right meta-human, uh, meta-humor there, I yeah. think. that That's just amazing. But in terms of, like, actually, like, professionalism, um... I would uh, definitely, I think, the comic book movies, uh, not just that character, but a lot of characters, are open for newer faces, not known, yes. you know, an unknown. I Absolutely. Think if you give them an unknown, you would focus more on the characters, and it would give the actors a chance to grow into a, you know, into more roles and stuff. It's kind of like what they did with, Tom Holland wasn't unknown, but he was the right balance of, like, famous and not, to kind of, like, jump right into, like, this... <sighs> Omega level like character and star that he is in Spider Man. And in, 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 in truth be told, most of the population didn't really know who he was. Yeah. So he was basically <clears throat> sort of an unknown, especially to a lot of the comic book Marvel movie fans. Like they're like, who is this kid? You know. And I I knew personally some of the guys who <clears throat> who went out uh, who test screened with Robert Downey Jr. and stuff like that. Like there was like six people. Who tested um, with Tom Holland, and um, uh, you know they 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 knew what they wanted. A lot of these people looked very similar, you know. So I was like, man, you know. But Tom Holland, you know, he I, he got that little spice that nobody else did. Yeah. Um, was <laughs> was Iron Fist the show on Netflix as bad as everyone made it? Uh, funny answer. I don't know because I never watched it, so that might be the answer. <laughs> that that. There we go, <laughs> and you know it's funny. I think that's probably the best answer because I liked it. I didn't think it was it was a, it was average. You know what I mean? So. I I really liked Luke Cage the first season. Uh, first, I think first and second season, second season. I was watching that back to back. I was like, man, this is good. Like, and that guy who played Luke was. I was like, this is a dead on Luke Cage. Yeah. You, people are underappreciated, or this guy's underappreciated for how awesome he is at Luke Cage. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it was funny watching him and Jessica Jones. There's one moment. In particular, when I was like, he's perfect. He gets hit in the head with a bottle, and he just rolls his eyes, and he's just so annoyed. He's like, I gotta clean this up now. <laughs> and I was like, that is. I just, I loved how, like, you know, he was, and I, I, I had experience with Luke Cage a little bit uh, in the comic books, and in a lot of these different video games, he was introduced. Um, but I, I liked how the actor, I, uh, his name is uh, Mike Coulter. Uh, Mike, Mike, what? Coulter. Coulter. He, yeah, Mike Coulter was like this guy. I was like, man, he shows true honor in his in his acting yes. performance as Luke Cage. He is this this stern, amazingly built man who is um, just just good and and tries as much as he can to do good. And I I, I really think he portrayed that very well. I, I I thought that was a very underrated series, personally. And last but not least, what are you currently reading? Um, like comic books or just in general? What are you reading right now? Well, I'm actually um, <laughs> this is gonna sound way out there. Um, I'm actually rereading the <laughs> okay. I'm rereading uh the first couple of issues of the Darkness, um, the comic book. Uh, 
because I was a huge fan of the game and uh, the 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 whole premise of the darkness is uh, uh, he's an anti-hero, but he's also he also uh, he was one of the people who he had a baby with Witchblade. Okay. Um, uh, so I like that. So I was reading the uh, the omnibus, you know, like the above first issues, and then I was reading. Uh, and I've 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 read this. I, I kind of read it all a lot. Um, I've been very interested in different cultures. Yeah. Uh, I like learning about different cultures and the way people, uh, you know, believe, treat the world, see it. You know, I was always very interested in that. Um, and so I was <laughs> rereading uh, the video game adaptation books to Turok because I was oh. fascinated by indigenous uh, culture and uh Right now, I'm actually trying to develop a very appropriate indigenous character into our uh, into our show because I want nice. that representation too. Uh, but Turok was the first ever little glimpse I had, into, and it's a really weird one because it's like a sci-fi dinosaur hunting game. But it did introduce an indigenous person to me for the first time, uh, on top of my stepdad um, being part of uh, the uh, tribe in. Um, Canada, that's where um, I come from too. Um, so I was I was very uh, interested in indigenous culture. I was fascinated by it, and, and this is not just one culture. I'm fascinated in every culture. So I try to read books that and comics that have to do with you know the cultures that I didn't grow up with that I didn't know. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm always learning about that kind of stuff. And actually, I was wrong. I did forget one question. This one's actually probably one should end it. What's your favorite Street Fighter character? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to say, ooh, that's hard. Um, this is gonna. I'm gonna say Chun Li because I fought with her the most. That's always a good answer. I'm a Dan guy. Everyone laughs at me, but I kick all sorts of ass with Dan. Even a little stupid fireball that only goes about like a, not even yeah. a foot out of his hand. I love using him as a character. And I, I, mean, I, I think Ken's a little under, underappreciated too because everybody. Oh, yeah. uh, Compares him to, to Ryu, but um, yeah, Chun Li was uh, you know as a as a as a guy, she was she was like one of the first you know very strong female characters that I really liked. I was like, okay, this is strong, you know, takes no crap from anybody kind of character. At least that's what I got, um, and I I really thought she was uh, one of the best characters. And like like even in Mortal Kombat, mine was Katana. That was my favorite character. Um, yeah. In terms of theme, though, I think Scorpion was still my favorite, or probably Reptile. But, like, as a fighter, as, like, a character, it was Katana. But, like, yeah, Chun-Li would be my favorite. Just because I've, I've actually I've gone down the Mortal Kombat rabbit hole recently, I've been really hooked on Johnny Cage, Jackie Briggs, and um, Cassie Cage. <laughs> I Oh, yeah, yeah. Cassie, Cassie is a great fighter, and I think Johnny Cage is always been underrated i think my favorite mortal kombat game was the reboot just mortal kombat or mk9 yeah that was like the best one to me um i i played with johnny cage katana sometimes scorpion but i did a lot of nightwolf i really liked nightwolf because he had very tricky moves underrated he's also underrated as hell as a character because if you can get if he, there's one movie always has in this game is that random shoulder block it's <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people didn't realize that you could block it, but they didn't. <clears throat> they would just duck, and it would still hit you. Yeah, like it, no matter what, it would still hit you. And if you used a hamstone, 
you could block that first one. Most likely, you're going to unblock after that first hit. But then he's just going to shoulder you right after that. So, like, it was very tricky. And I, I loved the theme, like the tomahawks, the lightning, the, uh, you know, when he came up and he was like, you know, ancestors give me strength. And then it shoots yeah. him with, like, powerful lightning, which I thought that was kind of neat. Um, so I was, I was very... I was very in love with that character because of the theme and the strength. I like strong characters, you know. Yeah. So I'm with you. And on uh, that's why Captain Mighty has the um, the fun voice he has. He has a strong voice. He's a strong character. I don't know if you've seen the the actual costume. Oh, I have. Uh, <laughs> I, I spent a good amount of time scrolling through the IG. Oh yeah, the uh, the costumes. I got to give a shout out to um, uh, Unmasked Studios, uh, my friend Will at Unmasked Studios. He did Captain Mighty's costume, and I, I, I literally could never have asked for a better visual representation of what I first imagined Captain Mighty looking like. He did such a good job. It was, I mean, it was, I was, I was just blown away. I was like, this is insultingly good. Like, this is <laughs> super good. Um, and he's actually building uh, the second or, or <clears throat> third costume because we have to do a lot of shots with it and everything, but... Uh, he was really good, and when I get to put on the cowl and I do the voice, everybody really likes it. So I just I got to give a shout out to him for making that actually become a, a physical reality. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> anybody else you want to shout out? I know you said your best friend does the artwork. Um... Uh, well, I got to give it to Kathy and Scott for just working super hard <clears throat> to uh, to do this this show. They've been working so long and. And uh, detailing all this whole universe, you know, the Bible and stuff like that. It's Kathy Wells and um, uh, Scott uh, Abrams. Um, and, you know, just everybody. My friend Jonathan, who uh, who is basically helping pitch the show to networks. Um, our, our second costume designer, uh, Nick, he does a, um, uh, a cosplay, uh, you know, costumes and such as well. Uh, and those can all be found on, like, you know, the websites and stuff like that. All these people can be. But, you know, it's just, like, everybody I've worked with, I'm super happy to work with. Uh, Rick, Athena, all those. Uh, George, uh, I can't wait to <coughs> actually uh, <laughs> get him uh, to watch his performances live. Because I really want to watch his performances live while he does the dev character. But, um, you know, just all these people are just, uh, just, just so amazing. If I'm forgetting anybody, it's because we have so many people working on him. But... Um, I'm just really happy to be able to work with all these people. So just uh, one more time, uh, kickbackheroes.com, K-I-C-K-B-A-C-K-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. And as soon as you actually go to the website, you'll see a, a GIF of all the of five of the heroes walking towards, and it says Heroes Life Justice coming soon. So make sure you check that out, kickbackheroes.com. Um, this has been the Old Man Wade Show, and as always, be excellent to each other. Peace. Damn it, Wade!